0: You are listening to the Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series, brought to you weekly by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. You can find podcasts and video clips of these lectures online at edcorner.stanford.edu. So, without further ado, let's welcome
1: Ping and Ashwin. Thanks, Professor Byers. So, it's always good to be back back on the farm. So uh, thanks for having Asher and I here. It's, uh, it's uh, always good to see young students wanting to get an entrepreneurship and uh, figure out the next great companies. So I'm just going to ask Asher a couple questions for you 10-20 know, minutes. Uh, but in the meantime, feel free to uh, Jump in, and, and uh, at the end we'll have some Q and A as well. So, want to keep this as interactive as possible. Since you guys are all BitTorrent users, you probably have a lot of mm-hmm. customer complaints or whatever uh, that, that Ashwin can deal with personally. Now you know who to who to call. So, yeah, I'm um, going to
0: give you Ping's email address. <laughs> right. to be the First line of defense. <laughs>
1: right. So, um, just Ashwin, love to hear a little bit about BitTorrent kind of pre-Ashwin. So, you know, BitTorrent's been around for for several years now, more than five years now, and love to hear about you know how you. Th- how you saw it before you got involved. What was your co-founder Bram's vision and how you got it going and, and how it got to, to, to the point it, it got to before you joined?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, so Bram is a, uh, an engineer uh, that was um, a guy who dropped out of college. He went to SUNY Buffalo and um, was really intent on, on getting into the uh, computer science field. So he came out here in the, uh, the dot-com go-go days. I think it was in the late 90s and um, spent a couple of years working at uh, a bunch of different um, dot-coms. It uh, was laid off in 2001 and uh, got really interested in this idea that um, websites were increasingly wanting to deliver large amounts of data to, a, you know, to an audience online, but that um, the protocol that we were using at that time to deliver large files from websites uh, was uh, HTTP. We've all typed it into an address bar. And that stands for Hypertext Transfer Protocol. And um, what Bram saw was that this text transfer protocol was no longer being used for text. It was being used for uh, software downloads, game downloads, and even some amounts of media downloads, uh, like video and audio. Uh, And uh, this text transfer protocol wasn't scaling very well to accommodate that kind of a payload for the protocol. So he decided to write a new protocol. Uh, He called it BitTorrent, which, um, uh, as the name suggests, was enabling of a torrent of bits to be delivered from a central location by harnessing all of the collective bandwidth that lives in uh, in an audience. So rather than looking at the Internet as a broadcast medium, uh, he took observation of the fact that the Internet is a two-way medium uh, and that if um, people who are receiving data can also be providing it to the people that need it, uh, that you could uh, do a lot less work to reach the same number of people with the same amount of data. Uh, and so this... Um, was the problem he got very focused on in 2001. Uh, By 2003, he had a protocol that was working pretty robustly. uh, And that's when uh, I think that most of us that are aware of BitTorrent on a consumer level really probably started to discover it, uh, because websites across the world were using it to distribute all kinds of cool things. Um, Linux distributions, for example, were kind of the first uh, application that took advantage of BitTorrent, mostly because an individual copy of Linux um, was around three gigabytes in size. Uh, and a file of that size in 2002, 2003, at the prevailing bandwidth prices at that time, uh, could cost several dollars in bandwidth. And for an object that has no sort of business model for uh, uh, distributing uh, individual copies, there's no way for a provider to really recoup the cost of making the file available. Um, so Bit- BitTorrent found its home initially in that community, in the open source community, where those that weren't charging for an individual copy of, uh, a, of an application could very efficiently make this application available to a large number of people. Um, from Linux um, you know, uh, in the open source realm, BitTorrent also became really popular in, in uh, different communities around the world. Um, the anime community, any, anyone here an anime fan, uh, Japanese animation? You can admit it. <laughs> uh, it's actually um, not too many, surprisingly, but this is a, a, a category of entertainment that uh, is, um, in my opinion, uh, extremely under distributed. It's a it's a um, a category of entertainment that has this very very um, evangelical group of fans. They're distributed around the world, not necessarily Japanese, um, but um, that uh, suffer from a lack of distribution of this content. And um, the anime community was able to uh, leverage BitTorrent to make anime titles available uh, broadly in places where they weren't getting well distributed offline. So it wasn't available in DVD or on TV broadcasts or in movie theaters. So people really in this anime community depended on BitTorrent to find that, that genre of entertainment. Um, and of course, we all um, are aware that BitTorrent was being um, uh, used by sites that were uh, allowing users to upload TV shows and things that were also, in many cases, not well distributed outside of the United States. uh, And the BitTorrent audience started to grow as a result of all of this publication activity that was taking place. Fundamentally, Bram solved this problem of being able to uh, allow websites to deliver vast amounts of data with a very small budget. uh, And he designed it to be just the right amount of functionality so it would be very general in its applicability uh... and very uh... lightweight in its resource utilization so that both users and publishers could get a lot of value out of it
1: great so um, just kind of a disclaimer so bram was the second uh... company we invested in where the founder dropped out the first one was the facebook suck dropped out now bram dropped out that's not a message that you guys should all be dropping <laughs> out of schools and, and starting companies but if you do we're always very interested to meet <laughs> entrepreneurs <laughs> yeah. because yeah. There, there's something to be said for um, young entrepreneurs who you know, aren't shackled by, you know, traditional ways of thinking. They aren't willing to try things new. And that's really what – as Ashton talked to what BitTorrent did, he, you know, didn't follow the path of HTTP and saw new protocols that, that invented a new protocol that could uh, – approach as a new paradigm. Um, but, you know, that, that's kind of pre-Ashton, that was when it was a free service, freely distributed. Um, how did you get involved in BitTorrent? And why did you decide that, hey, this is a free service. I want to go ahead and, and join up with Brian. Uh, it,
0: was, it, it was a tough call. Um, so uh, Bram had developed BitTorrent as a truly open source project. He, he had no ambitions to make it a business. Uh, he released it you know, right from the get go under a very flexible open source license. Uh, and um, you know, based on some of the th- decisions he made, you know, wasn't anticipating that it would ever really be that successful. Uh, of course, you know, by 2003, he knew that he you know, had figured something very valuable out.
1: How many clients did you have back then?
0: Uh, it was in the, you know, probably between 10 and 20 million downloads by that point in time. Um, it hit my radar screen when I was at Yahoo 2003-2004 time frame. Uh, Yahoo had, um, at the time, uh, uh, was run by a new CEO, a guy by the name of Terry Semmel, who um, was a movie studio executive who, who ran Warner Brothers for a number of years very successfully. And at that time was, um, had in task my group, the corporate development group at Yahoo, to figure out if there was a business for yahoo in digital distribution of content and um, we looked at uh the landscape at that time you know itunes was just about to launch um and there were some other services that were out there uh distributing movies and other uh categories of media uh, and of course there was a lot of interesting things happening in in software aggregation for applications like download.com or digital river so there was these different areas where digital distribution was starting to take hold in, in various categories of, uh, of content. And so my group kind of looked at this, uh, this landscape and tried to figure out if Yahoo should be in this business, uh, and you know, whether it should get in through acquisition or through a build scenario. Uh, and um, one of the things that we were interested in figuring out uh, was that Yahoo was also making a big push in the web search. Uh, you know the, the success that Google was having was pretty clear, since Yahoo was an investor in Google and was well aware of the traffic growth that was happening there, Um, there was this real elegant way of aggregating content by just crawling web pages and aggregating links. Um, The problem that uh, an application like like download.com was having is that when they would add a new application or software title to the directory, um, the amount of traffic that download.com, for example, was having uh, would crush a software developer. Uh, A software developer that might develop a uh, a utility to unzip a file on your Windows desktop um, would suffer from you know a website going down just because download.com was sending so much traffic to this developer um, so uh, what download.com did in response to that was um, actually offer hosting services to these um, these garage shop you know software developers so that they wouldn't go away once they got the popularity um, along comes this Protocol this new web protocol called BitTorrent, that if these software developers were using and some of them were, would have almost infinite scalability uh, and wouldn't have to provision you know dedicated servers and, and uh, server resources uh, to accommodate that demand uh, and so um, I got this idea that well, if you know maybe Yahoo should consider using BitTorrent uh, to um, Uh, address the uh, problem of when Yahoo would create demand for these developers that they wouldn't go away, that they could actually thrive and be successful. Um, So that's what led me to get in touch with Bram. We actually had a mutual friend who put us in touch. Uh, And then um, after brainstorming some stuff I just left Yahoo and decided (laughs) to start the company BitTorrent Inc. um, because uh, I thought that um, BitTorrent had a real bright future at that time uh, to actually develop commercial applications for the technology uh... even though it was open source uh... the fact that people were using it the brand was getting to be uh... well known and the um, communities that were thriving and depending on BitTorrent to exist uh... were were uh, obviously great case studies to build some commercial application
1: Actually, before we kind of get into business i think one of the things that has always been you know delicate balance is finding the right and building the right co-founding team it's been the success and also the bane of a lot of startups where Co-founders either get along great. You got the Larry and Sergey story, and they you know they build a great company. And then you got the other examples where they don't get along really well. It falls apart, and and then the is just not there. How do you, how do you how did you kind of parse that and figure out you know Bram is a guy I'm going to spend the X number of years, you know, late nights, bad times, good times. It's basically getting married. It's probably worse than Yeah, I think we great. dated for a while. Exactly. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, you know how did you how did you know that this was the right fit, and what advice would you give? future entrepreneurs here that are, you know, friends or whatever that are maybe thinking about starting a company, you know, what, what should they avoid, what are the pitfalls in, in building that?
0: Yeah, um, you got, yeah, you got to spend some time up front making sure, I mean, um, students have a, a great opportunity being on campus to really get to know people well, and um, you know, the relationships that you're going to build here are going to be valuable uh, for uh, for a long time after you leave. And so, um, I, you know, and being in this environment, being in Silicon Valley, and a, a long heritage here at Stanford of, of entrepreneurial behavior, um, you know, this is a great time to take some risks and ex- make some experiments um, with the people that you're already spending lots of time with. Um, you know, in in the case of me leaving Yahoo, um, people thought I was crazy. You know, I, I worked for a studio chief who spent most of you know had hired many lawyers uh, at Warner Brothers to shut companies down that were trying to commercialize peer-to-peer applications. Um, Uh, for good reason. I mean, you know, there were file sharing applications, and I think BitTorrent has some very dramatic differences. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the the Yahoo team, I think, probably didn't think this was a very wise move uh, on my part at at that time uh, for a variety of reasons, being open source, being peer-to-peer, being used for a lot of, being associated with a lot of piracy. Um, But what I saw in Bram was a guy that, uh, you know, complimented uh, our skills complemented each other very well, and first, and, and in addition to that, Bram was a guy that uh, could get really obsessed with a problem and, and get you know very focused on it and, and be eager to solve it, uh, and had very strong technical capability, uh, and um, you know, matching well with my background being more, uh, you know, being more uh, aligned in the business realm, um, and I, I saw the opportunity to. Because BitTorrent had this just this fundamental value that we could actually reposition the, the technology and actually win approval of big media companies to commercialize successfully and make this thing really successful, and that's what we that was the initial idea. And finding that Bram was uh, interested in doing that with me, we just got together and did it.
1: Yeah, and it's um, it's amazing how you guys have continued to. Work so close to each other after all these years. I mean, I don't know. You guys haven't met Brian, but these two cannot be more different. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, they've it, the, the the chemistry. It, it is like an old married couple. You know, after like 50 years, they kind of know each other's hot buttons and, and work through that stuff. And um, having that chemistry is is probably one of the most intangible things that we look for when we invest in companies is that founder founder capability. Um, but you know, kind of you've been touched on the business a little bit here. But if we dig in a little bit, Peer to Peer has been around for you know a decade now from the music guys to skype and you know the vi- and lots of video alternatives no one's ever actually made a profitable business off it you know people have gotten acquired um... and some have gotten shut down uh... but no one's actually ever made money uh... kind of what's 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 different now and how does how does bitcoin kind of change change the game um... you guys are in lots of business units how do you think about this all coming together
0: um... you know i think maybe some of the similarities in the YouTube model, for example, yeah. where there's this perceived cloud of, uh, you know, whether it be liability or, con- you know, just uh, controversy around the applications for the technology or the, or the uh, service. Um, BitTorrent had to contend with those right from the beginning. And uh, it took, you know, I, I, the amount of times you get kicked in the gut for things like that, kicked in the teeth, it, you start to develop some thick skin. Um the realization became very clear at the, in, at the beginning that, you know, I didn't know that we were going to be able to raise venture capital. I didn't know that there would be uh, media companies that would actually work with us. Uh, and, and at times I was wondering if, you know, we were going to get sued and, you know, that, and just because of the perceptions. You know, I knew that fundamentally the technology was strong and it was general purpose and it had tremendous merit on a, on a technical level that would ultimately, just like the Internet in 1994, would, you know, see great success in the commercial realm. But there's that initial period of time where, you know, when you've got a news article that just completely mis- misaligns you. Uh, just like in 94, you could find, you know, pretty smart business people uh, dismissing the Internet as a fad. Um, you know, that was in many ways uh, the kind of uh, rhetoric around peer-to-peer, to your point, and, and BitTorrent specifically. So we just sort of hunkered down and just assumed that we had to prove ourselves uh, and start to deliver value before we could really expect any validation or, or buy-in from the investment community or from uh, media companies or our customers. Uh, and uh, you know, just sort of one step at a time, you know, start marching towards uh, the goal.
1: So, so BitTorrent today has the BitTorrent Entertainment Network, which is the video download. It's launched the, uh, the BitTorrent DNA, which is a CDN service. I'd love to you know, take us through kind of how those two business models are going to evolve and how they're interrelated and, and how do you kind of think about uh, next steps uh, for both of them.
0: Well, the uh, BitTorrent fundamentally is a delivery—it's it, a, a, a protocol—and uh, as a commercial entity, it can be used as a delivery service, and that's what we decided to do: is build a service on the BitTorrent with the BitTorrent protocol that businesses can use. And so that's fundamentally what BitTorrent does—it's a more efficient way of delivering data than other internet protocols. And um, uh, that's what we went out in 2000 you know, January 2005 when we kind of got things sort of set up, we went out and started pitching uh, potential customers. Um, what we found is that uh, most of the very technical organizations even here in the Silicon Valley were a, a, a bit afraid of peer-to-peer, particularly the business folks and the, you know, the lawyers definitely for sure. Um, there was some concern about, well, if we use BitTorrent Inc. as a vendor, uh, is this company going to be around? Uh, you know, are you guys going to get sued? Are we going to get sued as a customer of yours? Um, you know, your brand has uh, you know, these very polarizing aspects to it. Um, so uh, after a good six months of you know, some uh, fits and starts, um, what we decided to do was uh, engage down a path of being a customer of our technology ourselves. Uh, and that would what that means is that we thought we could build a showcase for BitTorrent with media companies buying into it and essentially uh, working with us in this showcase to demonstrate how BitTorrent could really uh, let some amazing things happen. Uh, and so um, what we started at that point in time was what's now called the BitTorrent Entertainment Network, uh, which is a, a showcase for media companies to come license us their content or publish their content into an aggregation medium uh, and then we would deliver whatever it is that they have published uh, with the BitTorrent uh, delivery system, um, so the um, number of companies that we approached and have successfully closed relationships with uh, to do that is now substantial. I think we've got close to 50 media companies uh, that have um, signed agreements with us to publish their content in. That includes companies like Warner Brothers, Paramount, 20th Century Fox, uh, Lionsgate, uh, some, you know, basically the largest media companies in the world. Uh, and if I'd told you three years ago that you know that the largest media companies in the world would embrace BitTorrent. I probably would have been kicked out of this room. Um, so what, was the change
1: of, what was the change of heart? What, what kind of well, what, turned the corner?
0: Uh, you know, basically the strategy. What was the cha- what allowed us to do that? Yeah. Why
1: why did the media companies decide to embrace BitTorrent as a delivery mechanism for their prized content? Uh, we,
0: what we what we did was we took observation of the way BitTorrent was being used in its sort of open implementations, and that was you know, it was clear that BitTorrent was increasingly becoming a media distribution uh, tool, uh, you know, sort of just because that's the way the ecosystem developed Mm -hmm. and that's where the market inefficiencies were. Mm -hmm. Uh, People uh, increasingly wanted to consume entertainment online, on their PCs, or in a connected environment. And um, uh, that provided them a better experience, particularly in a campus environment, than, you know, having to drive down to Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. or uh, to, uh, you know, have to get a TV in addition to your PC. Mm-hmm. Um, if everything can be kind of converged in a, in a networked environment on a PC, that's a, you know, it's a life-changing experience for a lot of people. It was for me uh, when, you know, when I was on campus. Um, so um, the media companies hadn't really been able to fulfill that demand uh, efficiently or, or effectively uh, at, at the time that we approached them. There were some experiments, uh, you know, there were some entities like uh, Link, and like I said, iTunes was just kind of getting started. Uh, and there was some, some amount of uh, interest in getting this business model started, of actually distributing media online uh, to an online audience that was increasingly doing the wrong thing, uh, which was uh, downloading this media, you know, without the license, without – illegitimately, uh, and that wasn't benefiting the media companies at all. Uh, and of course, you know, BitTorrent was getting to be a popular application to do that, but it wasn't benefiting BitTorrent Inc. as well. So we went to the media companies and said, um, you know, let's work together to uh, to give our users a destination for them to start using using our application to get your content with your consent and with a business model that makes sense. Um, and that was uh, that was hard. It, it took a good year uh, to really. Uh, foster in terms of trust uh, relationships to foster in terms of trust and getting the business model and you know I think we uh, we have a lot of room to grow uh, to make that business model um, better, but um, you know we were able to come to some compromises and get get some relationships started um, some a good anecdote that some of you might find uh, interesting i was able to um, you know really you know uh, the BitTorrent brand actually helped in this way, but was able to get some very, very, very senior meetings at some of the largest media companies in the world. And um, uh, those were some very interesting conversations, because these are not technical people in many cases. Uh, and, you know, when you come into a meeting, having the BitTorrent business card, it you know it ends up creating this very interesting dynamic. Um, so in one situation, I remember sitting kind of across the table from this very uh, senior member of an organization and saying, you know, Mr. Studio Chief, um, in the next hour that we're going to be talking, uh, about 70,000 of your movies are going to be downloaded illegally with my software. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to do something about that. Yeah.
1: I'm uh, sure that if I want to start with something else. Like <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can see the eyes kind of <laughs> bulge
0: out. And, uh, uh, you know, I think the, um, the way we approached it made a lot of sense to him, which is that, look, you're not getting any benefit from it. I'm not getting any benefit from it. You know, let 's let 's give these users uh, an opportunity to do the right thing you know, you know, we can 't continue this there 's no sustainable business model in criminalizing our customers uh, so if we um, uh, if we can create a legal environment that gives them what they want uh, using the tools that they already have on their desktops uh, at a reasonable value, a reasonable price, I think we can convert a significant chunk of these people into value creating mm-hmm. customers and you know it, that was the beginning of the relationship, and now we have a substantial number of these relationships. Uh, so, and I think, you know, in terms of the number of titles that we've aggregated, uh, I, you know, with over 10,000 video titles, I think we have a substantial number of titles more than even iTunes and any other digital distribution service that exists. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, the, the, the showcase that is the Bitcoin Entertainment Network was a, was a success. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got very wide buy-in from a large number of media companies. Uh, and it was a great showcase for what we call BitTorrent DNA, uh, which stands for Delivery Network Accelerator. Uh, and that's a service that any website can implement. Uh, how many of you actually have a website, like a blog or, or a site of your own? And how many of you have ever stuck a Google AdSense ad unit on your website? Let's get about half of you, you guys are greedy. Um, <laughs> the uh, um, the, we wanted to make it as simple as that, to, really st- to use BitTorrent for whatever it is that you're trying to distribute um, uh, from your website.
1: Instead of paying uh, high bandwidth costs,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. So if you, all of you that have websites, uh, if you want to put um, files on them uh, and you don't get free bandwidth from Stanford, uh, you will have to go provision some bandwidth from somewhere. <laughs> and, um, and usually the cost of doing so, if you've got a, a file that gets very popular, is significant. Um, in many cases, if you don't, if you're students, you're probably not going to have the budget to pay for a very popular download unless you go convince one of these guys to, to back you uh, <laughs> and, and pay your bills. Um, uh, but
1: We do more than just pay their bills. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's a big part of it. <laughs> That's, we'll talk about that afterwards. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, the, uh, um, uh, so Google AdSense, with a little piece of JavaScript you know, that you could copy and paste from Google, allows you to start making money with your website and if we can make it as simple as copy-paste some JavaScript from BitTorrent uh, onto your website to make it really easy to distribute files that hopefully you can monetize in some way down the road um, we felt could be a really disruptive delivery service relative to the traditional way of you know renting you a server or provisioning you bandwidth and have forcing you to commit to a certain amount uh, which you know for particularly for newer businesses is a very difficult thing to do because you have no idea how successful you're going to be or what file it is that people are going to find really valuable. Uh, and as a, you know, as a new business or even an established business, even the largest media companies in the world, uh, this can be a money-losing proposition for quite some time. Uh, in fact, online video today, all of the services, you know, whether it be YouTube or uh, any of the streaming video services that we now know and love, are all usually money-losing propositions because video is such a bandwidth-intensive application. Uh, that you're just provisioning servers and figuring out how many servers to provision, how much bandwidth to provision, uh, is usually a, a big cash sink. But if we can, if we can leverage the audience, the, the bandwidth that lives in the audience, efficiently in a way that allows us to deliver video to that audience um, uh, uh, and have the scalability so that as demand grows, supply also grows, and that's the virtue of a peer-to-peer application, um, and be able to integrate that with a website very seamlessly, um, I think we've got a, a really great product, and that's what we've done. We've launched BitTorrent DNA. It's been in the market for about two months, uh, and um, it's, it's having some great success with our customers.
1: And just um, kind of t- another part of the business uh, – Prof- Professor Byers brought up the whole international how important that is these days. So BitTorrent has gone to overseas much sooner than most typical startups historically in the past. Um, yeah. You know, kind of what drove that decision to go – in this case, to Japan. Um, so much earlier than, than, than typical for a startup?
0: Um, there was a lot of... Uh, um, Bitcoin itself, you know, is not a uh, limited... It's not sort of um, a U.S. phenomenon. It's a global phenomenon. In fact, it's more popular overseas in certain situations than it is even here because if you're a fan of a, a popular TV show uh, and you're, say, an English teacher in Japan or you're... a, a, a uh, you're a, a soldier in Iraq or you're um, just an expat in anywhere in the world where you, this particular show isn't getting well distributed, you're probably a diehard BitTorrent user at this point in time. And um, we've seen BitTorrent, the protocol, really find dramatic popularity in places of the world like China, where um, the network, the backbone of the internet, uh, provided by China Telecom, China, uh, uh, China Unicom No, Unicom Mobile, telecom, Netcom, Netcom, Netcom. Netcom. yeah, Netcom and telecom uh, have these uh, what you would think are to be these two networks, north and south. But in fact, they're actually networks in every province, and every province isn't typically very well networked to to each other. So, what BitTorrent was able to do, uh, just by virtue of its applications in China, not by no act of our own, but when websites go up in China using BT, the BitTorrent protocol. Um, they're actually patching together the Chinese internet in a way that it, it doesn't uh, currently that it, it doesn't currently exist or isn't in, it, in its current design, um, and in that way, users have been able to to get better experiences for downloads in China. For example, uh, when I was there last year, um, a user uh, told me that a download from sitting in in Shanghai was faster uh, from a website hosted in the U.S. than from a website hosted in Beijing. Uh, which uh, is an indication that the networks inside China aren't, aren't very well peered. Um, but if you've got a website that's using BT, um, the server could be, you know, even though you're connecting to a website in Beijing, your server or the user or the, the source of the data you're looking for could be in the, the house next door to you. And so in that way, it kind of patched together and fixed this very fragmented Internet backbone. Uh, in Japan, um, which is uh, the second largest economy in the world, um, uh, the network is phenomenal. It's actually probably the best network in the world. Uh, it has a, uh, a network that's been heavily subsidized by NTT, uh, which is the, you know, the large telco in, in Japan. And they've got, uh, for the same prices we pay for broadband at, at our homes, they get 100 megabits of fiber optic capacity that's symmetric, meaning when we go to Comcast and we get uh, a cable line, we get 6 megabits usually downstream and you know maybe... 500 to a megabit upstream. Um, In in Japan you actually get the same amount of capacity in both directions, which is what the Internet is supposed to be. Um, And uh, this is a great environment for peer-to-peer because uh, obviously what we use is the upload capacity of the audience. That's what makes um, peer-to-peer really go. Uh, And um, it's a really exciting place for us to deploy BitTorrent because um, a lot of the same trends that we see here, the popularity of video, popularity of online games, uh, and you know software applications that are getting, um, you know, very popular, whether they be you know persistent instant messaging clients or operating system updates, are all existing in Japan. And, and um, BitTorrent, as a as a company there, um, will be offering that uh, the BitTorrent DNA service to the Japan marketplace.
1: Great. So I want to make sure um, you guys have time to a- ask questions as well. So I'm going to ask one more question, and hopefully, folks that have um, questions will raise their hands. And we'll, we'll get Ashwin to. To jump in. Um, so, if you had to look back in the last couple of years and you had to pick, you know, one thing that you would do over again, uh, what what would that be?
0: Um, there's a few things, but uh, let's see. A few things. There that There better come not up. be that many. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, so, um, the bigger ones, I'd say. Um, you know, I, I'll kind of direct this more to to the student audience. You know, the, the relationships that you develop here. Are, are extremely valuable, and they're going to last a long time. I said that before. And a lot of the things that you learn here um, outside of the classroom are also going to be very valuable. Um, so those outside classroom activities are going to probably be more valuable to you than, uh, with all due respect to the professors, uh, than the ones that you actually learn in class. And, and the reason I say that is that when you um, get into a, that opportunity where you're, you're on to something great, uh, and you're, you're trying to pull together uh, a team, uh, that you can work with to take whatever your project is to the next level. You're going to have to go back to those, those folks that you worked with and that you know and that you trust uh, to really make that successful. And um, uh, you know, these relationships are going are to be great for you down the road. And So uh, definitely invest in those. And um, what I've found is that you know, relative to the folks that you know, went to business school, I didn't go to business school. Um, what I envied about them, not a lot I envied about them, but uh, what I did envy about them is that they uh, – Really good golf game. Oh, uh, the golf game. <laughs> so, uh, maybe now I do, but I have more money than they because I didn't spend all the cash <laughs> on the tuition. Uh, it was the, an investment, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the relationships. I mean, they, they come out and they've got these phenomenal networks and uh, they're able to draw from them, and that's, that's, uh, that's a great thing, whether it's business school or grad school and you know, these environments on the educational campuses – can be, uh, can be valuable and pay off in, in many ways, um, so to that end, uh, hire slow, hire people slow, hire the right people and do your diligence and make sure you get the right people uh, and fire fast uh, you know if you 've made a mistake you know, don 't get passive aggressive about it don 't uh, dance around the issues you know, make adjustments and uh, and be, very, be be very clear uh, why you 're making those kinds of decisions. Um, uh, that's one one takeaway. I think um, getting good investors is uh, is um, is a, a certainly a good thing to do, and spending a lot of time with your investors because just like a co-founder, you're not getting divorced uh, from your investors ever. <laughs> <laughs> so getting to know the you know these guys really well uh, and um, it is going to pay off really well.
1: On that note, maybe maybe it'd be interesting for the folks. So how did you you guys have raised two rounds of funding yeah. successfully? Um,
0: oh wait, before uh, yeah. before you go on, um, there's another thing about uh, getting realizing where you are in your company's development, your organization's development, and and doing the right things for that point in time. So uh, there was this uh, book that was written by this guy, and I think this is a pseudonym, uh, Bob Kringley, and I think he keeps a blog or podcast on PBS. But he's, he talks about new company development. It's a really interesting passage. You can probably find it find an excerpt on, on a web page somewhere. But he talks about uh, new companies um, you know, in three stages. Basically, in the first stage, what you really want are the uh, commandos, those that um, don't obey any rules. They take the beach. Uh, and they break everything. Uh, and they do things that are, in many ways, what most people would consider irrational. Uh, and in an, I view that as what Bram did. You mm-hmm. know, Bram uh, did some, you know, from a business guy's standpoint, pretty irrational things. He invested two years of engineering time and didn't, you know, he didn't register domains. He didn't, you know, you're like, he, he didn't uh, set up a company. He, he gave this stuff away for free. <laughs> what the hell was he thinking? But, um, you know, it was phenomenal thing to do, because he wasn't the only one working on peer-to-peer applications, but BitTorrent is the largest, you know, and um, it's the most recognizable of of all of them. Um, So uh, that sort of commando behavior was critical to getting, you know, BitTorrent, you know, sort of off the ground. The next phase is uh, characterized by uh, the military police, uh, who – oh, no, sorry, the infantry. Sorry. Commando's infantry. Uh, Infantry – comes into the territory that the commandos have secured and actually secure it, um, start to set up a perimeter and and start to try and make some sense of the rubble, Uh, 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 maybe start to set up the rules a bit. And then the last wave is the military police that kind of sets up the walls and and establishes the territory and defends it. And so recognizing where you are in that process will help you find the right people for that um, point in development. And then, uh, you know, where's wh- BitTorrent yeah. now? I would say we're um, in the infantry phase. Um, we're still, uh, you know, still establishing our territory mm-hmm. and um, and still tr- out actively uh, winning customers and yep. refining the product. Um, the uh, the other thing about the people that you want to pull in, um, I think it's really I think you can tell. You know, I see some some Macs in the audience. Uh, I think you can tell when you when you've got a product in your hands that's kind of this perfect blend of good engineering, good marketing, good business development, you know, good sales and they all kind of, all these sort of competing disciplines all hammer each other and what you have at the end of the day is this, this very refined and beautiful product uh, and getting those, um, getting those forces all kind of uh, working together in many ways in some ways conflicting each other but you know what you have at the, if you've done this and you've created the right balance is a uh, is a great is a great product and then you know once you've done that then bringing in the right amount of demand generation and sales capability to to market this thing effectively.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think the it th- this this tension of sales marketing product all these creating the right experience is a, probably the hardest thing um, you can do it for a consumer app. Um, it's it's this elusive we call it, you know the consumer democracy. The consumers will decide which apps which servers they want to use and they'll vote with with what they end up using right um, you know, we saw this at BitTorrent we see this at Facebook and there's these this it's this, uh, the consumers are extremely f- um, you know fickle they'll change their minds very quickly and creating that right elusive experience is probably I think the hardest thing yeah uh... for BitTorrent I mean people talk about the protocol which is a massively brilliant engineering project but a lot of people forget the the amount of work and effort that goes into the actual client. the think that's sitting on your desktop so that you guys see the value of the network the value of the protocols um... But, you know, I think I'd like to open this up for questions if folks have them. Um. You
0: spoke about establishing your territory. There are a lot of other clients out there for torrents, Azure
1: torrent. as If I use BitTorrent, I'm more likely to see other clients than yours. I'm wondering do they differentiate by having more advanced features, and how important do you even care about having the territory of the client? seems like perhaps you make your money off of
0: having these content providers pay you to help them see in any case? Um, so just a point of clarification, we, we distribute uTorrent and uh, BitTorrent. Both brands are are operated and uh, distributed by us. And uh, by virtue of that, I think we are the most popular client by a significant margin uh, based on this, the data that has been provided or has been published. Um, but you know that said, yeah, client distribution is very important to us. Um, we actually have a third distribution of the BitTorrent client, which is called the DNA client. And that's um, the one that we expect to be the most ubiquitous of all BitTorrent clients. And the reason is that it's actually just a control panel. And um, uh, we spent a significant amount of time in in refining the BitTorrent client to be extremely polite in the way it uses your bandwidth uh, and the way that it um, integrates with web web applications or other uh, software applications uh... and the the way that it works is in fact it's part of the infrastructure it's part of the um, uh... sort of the background processes that deliver data into a web page um, and that uh... actually functions as a web server on your on your uh... desktop so um, for example if uh, a video streaming website wanted to deliver video streaming from the website um, uh... you know uh, from the, into the website, into a browser, um, what actually happens is that once you take a little piece of JavaScript that we provide uh, the web page, they can uh, uh, then have the Flash player or whatever the media player is that's on the web page actually look for the content in the DNA client, which again functions as a web server, and the, web, the DNA client will then pull the video from multiple sources, uh, other peers, as well as from uh, the servers that the website's provision to make that video available. And uh, because of this sort of very elegant background uh, presence that the DNA client has, uh, we expect it to be uh, propagated by all of the customer services that end up using it. And I expect that the DNA client will actually – it will leverage the existing user base that we have, the BitTorrent, UTorrent user base, but it will actually find a user base that's dramatically larger. And we, you know, we have this goal that um, it should be as ubiquitous as the Flash Player, for example, because – the Flash Player provides the same level of utility to, to web publishers. Does that make sense? Yep. And once you have the client, then websites that want to use it can you know, take advantage of it immediately. So client distribution is important. Now, is that also going to be a client that other companies or, or other organ-
1: entities will be able to write their own versions of? Or is, uh, they they can,
0: can write applications that you know, will... There will be APIs that they can actually hook into, but um, the DNA client itself is not intended to be a, uh, an open source application or something like that.
1: Yeah, and the value to the, to, to you guys, to the, to, the, to the end users, is you get much higher performance in terms of your downloads, right? And as you go to HD and larger files, you get the opportunity to see things at, um, at rates that you pr- probably can't see today because the content providers throttle it back so they can save money. Um, now, now they don't have that restriction, so... Um, go ahead. Can I just
0: repeat the question? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. So the question is, how does what's the caching policy that we maintain on the desktop in the DNA implementation? And so um, it functions. The DNA client functions a lot like a browser. Uh, in the you know, as any user, any sophisticated user of Internet Explorer or Firefox would know, that every browser maintains a cache of you know web objects that you've you browsed and the DNA client functions the same way. So there's a certain amount of disk space that the DNA client will reserve uh, to uh, cache the data that you've consumed uh, and only the data you've consumed. There's no um, uh, mischief going on where we're pushing data down that you don't want. And that was some mischief that other peer-to-peer clients have done, and it got them in big trouble. I mean, users just uninstalled it. It just was very impolite. Uh, but this uh, cache will have a policy that you know, we'll purge data that's, you know, aged out of existence that you no longer need or this the network no longer needs. Sorry. Ashwin, you talked
1: a bit about how people at, at Yahoo um, thought you were crazy for taking um, off? Can you, <coughs> can you talk a little bit to how Excel might have gotten a hint that you guys weren't crazy and actually investing? So the question is, people at Yahoo thought Ashwin was crazy, and then...
0: How did you get comfortable?
1: How do we get comfortable with Ashwin being crazy? Well, um, <laughs> I would say most of our entrepreneurs are, are commandos like Ashwin. So I think the reality is, um, you know, we got comfortable on a couple dimensions. One is we saw that there was a huge opportunity here with some really fundamental deep technology solving a really big problem, right? And I think that's, that's kind of, you know, the first order bit that, you know, you have to believe that there's some deep technology. It's a really meaningful problem uh, that that they're going after. That's very distinctive. And um, you know, BitTorrent. You know, I looked at a ton of companies in the space before investing in BitTorrent. And you know, one of the things I've learned quickly is you're not a peer-to-peer network if you don't have any peers. So there's a lot of people with a lot of good technology, a lot of research, but you can't build, you can't be an effective delivery network if you don't have the massive base of 150 million clients and growing. Um, so that's what kind of made this thing seem not so crazy, right? You you were actually had a had a really, you know, effective technology platform to build off of. From a team perspective, you know, by the time we invested, Ashron and Bram have already kind of endeared themselves with the studios, have proved out a legitimate model for for BitTorrent, um, so I think a lot of the things that maybe the Yahoo guys thought were crazy, we thought, you know, had have, have been mitigated, so we didn't have that, th- those concerns. Um, and I think the third thing is we just saw that the team was, uh, you know, was excited and we shared a vision for where the company wanted to go, we understood what they were doing on the uh, BitTorrent Entertainment video side of the uh, download business, and also we saw how they can use that technology to enable others to deliver their own video uh, or games or software or whatever it is. So I think that's a big part of when something doesn't seem as crazy as when you kind of share the vision. So maybe we're crazy too, but we're equally crazy. And I think that created the, uh, the connectivity to, for us to want to, to get involved um, with the team. So. So a question back there. This guy's been patient. Uh, you said that you had like good relationships with the uh, media companies, right? Um, but what are your thoughts on how the RIA is uh, policing like increasing amounts of
0: websites, such as like the notorious uh, Pirate Bay, and like Oink was shut down like,
1: like a week ago? And um, you know, I was wondering, because they, they use BitTorrent, you know, exclusively on their sites, and it's like the most efficient way to share share music but you know what are your thoughts on how the RA is cracking
0: down on those kinds of sites. So the question is um, what's my view on uh RAAA litigation against uh, BitTorrent sites. Yeah. Um, well I think it's uh, the, you know a lot of the litigation is a um, is a choice that the the media some of the media companies have made and to address the piracy problem. You know a few points. One um, uh, BitTorrent Never was specifically designed for any one application it, you know and you you make the point that you know it's uh, it's the exclusive application for these environments I, I don't know that it's the best application for those environments um, it, it definitely gets used in these environments um, It is a really great way to deliver vast amounts of data and um, what we've done is gone back to these media companies and said, you know you should be using this technology to compete with piracy and um, you know if you've if the media companies have made their product a great price with the right usability, a good value overall, and uh, deliver it with a good experience, meaning that it's delivered fast uh, and, and users find that they're getting, you know, what more than what they paid for, uh, then piracy goes away. And so, um, unfortunately, litigation won't remove the piracy, won't eliminate the piracy, though. And so we've been, you know, pretty clear about that with the media companies, that we think the best approach is actually to compete.
1: You talked about two things.
0: One was the efficiency of BitTorrent protocol and audience participation which helped you with um, creating more efficient bit delivery. In the cost structure, where do you see there are other opportunities for creating similar efficiencies? Because I carry an impression that studios (laughs) still think the cost of delivery is still pretty high. So the question is, uh, let me actually, I'm just going to state this to see if I got it right. But uh, the uh, question is, where are there opportunities to find other efficiencies in participation or in peer-to-peer? Yeah, here, but... Opportunities okay. to find efficiencies in content delivery beyond just using a peer-to-peer application. Well, um, you know, there's some people who get really interested in multicast, for example, that... Um, you know, If you want to find a, uh, if you're interested in an application that's kind of like a broadcast television experience or a radio experience and everyone has the same receiving point and they're all connected at the same time and they don't mind that, um, you know, the multicast can be a lot more efficient than CDNs, for example. I personally think um, uh, peer-to-peer is is a no-brainer. Uh, it's kind of like why not, Would you, why wouldn't you use peer-to-peer if it's been developed in, Refined to the point where it you only uh, it only you only use it when you need it, and when you use it, it dramatically improves the experience for everyone involved. The provider, the consumer, uh, and the economics are just uh, much better overall. So that even the creators will have more spoils available, um, and that's where we are with peer-to-peer. Uh, you know, so in a, on a pure delivery perspective, um, I I think everyone 's grown accustomed, thanks to YouTube and BitTorrent, the open implementations, of getting what they want when they want it and uh, they 're also grown accustomed to getting vast amounts of content diversity you know so like there 's no network scheduler you know that 's going to tell you the TV show that you want to watch is only available at this time and you know at this day of the week. Um, those days are you know going away, and so the only way to achieve um, the, uh, the content diversity and the, the, um, the personalization that people have grown to expect with the efficiencies that the television broadcast medium or multicast mediums enjoy today and to really marry those two uh, expectations is with peer-to-peer. So you get on-demand, personalized entertainment experiences or media experiences with efficiencies of, uh, uh, of peer-to-peer. Asked, you mentioned the lack of symmetric bandwidth as it is in yeah. Japan, and then it really scales at right. the level of internet, uh, television, then do you, want, do you foresee problems? So the question is, uh, how does asymmetry affect the efficiency? And uh, it's related to the question that came up earlier, which is that um, we have a caching policy um, that ages out content from a desktop over a period of time. And... Um, we uh, manage that policy to achieve a, a certain target level of efficiency uh, that we want to achieve in the peer-to-peer network. Uh, question for both of you, actually, uh, one on you know why you decided to make the leap um, in starting the company and then on the investment side. You know, it's based on an open source Linux. So one of the great benefits, obviously, is you know lack of licenses. It's inexpensive. Huge development community. Um, one downside, obviously, is you know defensibility and, and IP and patents and that kind of thing. Um, you know, when when you looked at it, what made you think, well, you know, uh, it's okay, you know, no big behemoth is going to take take this and and kind of uh, overcome what we're trying to do as a, as a small uh, first mover. And then on the investment side, how did you get comfortable with the fact that there is a certain lack of defensibility and barriers to entry that you can create around open source? It's that you know, open source dilemma around. It. So uh, the question is, how do we get comfortable as an entrepreneur and as an investor in an open source project? And I think the, um, um, what I saw in BitTorrent was a, a phenomenal brand. You know, uh, whether it was open source or not, the brand had value. Uh, some communities and users and websites that uh, depended on the technology were evangelical about the technology, and then some communities that were you know, really diehard about it. Um, so that was valuable. This is in the early days. Um, uh, I didn't know, honestly, I was a bit naive in terms of how much of the IP we could actually a- acquire or, or secure at that point in time, and I had to go through a process of working with lawyers to figure that out. Um, but what I did know is that you know, uh, the licensing scheme at, that we, BitTorrent was released under was not, and this is, how many, uh, this is something that you all may want to look into on your own time, or maybe there's a class that does this, but Open source licenses are are varied. They're not. Um, uh, there's not one open source license. There's some that are very flexible. There's some that are uh, what people call viral, meaning that if it's, something starts in open source, it'll have to stay open source no matter what you do with it. Um, and then uh, you know, obviously, then there's uh, uh, these hybrid licenses that say, okay, for certain uses they're open source, and for others they have to go through a license. BitTorrent was a very flexible license. It was one. It was the MIT license, which was uh, pretty. Allowed anyone that would make something on it uh, give them a lot of flexibility uh, outside of trademark. They couldn't call it BitTorrent, uh, but they could definitely take the code and and uh, do with it whatever they want and whatever they please. Uh, As a company, we could do the same thing. So we could actually keep we could maintain this open source code base for the benefit of the community, but we could also develop some proprietary extensions to the protocol. And to the code base that we would commercialize. And that's basically what we've done. To talk about
1: that. Yeah, from an investment perspective, so we've invested quite a bit in open source models. Um, JBoss and Zensource are, are, are two, two recent ones, um, and a slew of others. And I think open source is not a model for every business, so you know, don't, don't everyone go start off open source businesses. But I think there are certain dynamics about open source that are really effective. Um, one is in terms of building a community of developers early on to kind of get this thing. Go and evangelize. In this case, um, you know, Bram had his kind of, you know, community built around him uh, to go ahead and and add to the product. But over time, that's actually not where most of the value is because you end up building most of the technology yourself. Frankly, the open source community never really contributes nearly as much as the actual developer of the the originator of the open source. So the real value in open source uh, we've seen is distribution. You get free distribution, right? Um, Whether it's Linux, you don't need a sales guy, people just download Linux. right? JBoss, you don't need a sales guy, people just download JBoss app server. So it's the it's ability to have distribution without a sales force. And the sales force is what costs a lot of money, right? So what BitTorrent was able to do is get massive distribution, 150 million peers. And to my earlier comment, you're not a peer to peer network unless you have a lot of peers. So for us, the open source actually was a really efficient way of getting the distribution problem solved. I mean, how are you going to convince everyone to download their clients unless you do kind of an open source? Uh, type model, and that's kind of what we thought was particularly powerful. Uh, from a monetization perspective, like all the other great open source companies, you have to do something other than the the core c- protocol in this case in order to monetize. And, and as Ashton mentioned, there's a lot of proprietary extensions that we built on top that you have to basically participate and pay for in order to uh, get that value. But the good news is, once you've already have this stuff out there, then it's a lot easier to go back to the person and say, Hey, do you want to pay a little bit extra more to get this additional value, right? So now you the 150 million peers, it's easier to go to a gaming company and say, "Hey, by the way, do you want to reduce your bandwidth cost by X?" Because you know we got all these peers out there that is already out there, and, they, and so they can get immediate value without you having to go sell and, and do all that kind of work. So, um, so you know, it's not the model doesn't fit for everything, but in this particular case, we saw open source as a very uh, you know smart and actually distinctive way of getting uh, getting distribution, and the proprietary stuff is all the other technology that's been built on top that's um you know hey, only a bit twice. So yeah,